<laughs> but what I did get, that was a harsh lesson. Sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work and how much you contribute. It may never be worthy of recognition. That's the lesson that I learned. This episode is brought to you by WHU, the Otto Beisheim School of Management. WHU is reshaping the way students learn about business, management, finance, and entrepreneurship through its innovative programs and partnerships in Germany and across the globe. To learn more about this globally ranked university, visit whu.edu today. Hi folks, this year. Welcome to the newest episode of the most awesome founder talent recordings. Today, I'm happy to introduce to you Elena Tsimirava. In 2015, Elena moved with her husband and two kids from their home country, Belarus, to Germany, where she started working for a big corporation. Earlier this year, however, Elena decided to quit her corporate job and build her own company, which is called Listerly. With Listerly, Elena wants to leverage artificial intelligence to facilitate the process of listing products on multiple online channels. We are looking forward to hear the story of Elena today. Hope you will enjoy the show. Coming to you from WHU, on the banks of the Rhine River, in beautiful Fallendar, Germany. This is the best and most awesome founder podcast. A show about entrepreneurs, innovators, advisors, and educators, and the stories that make them who they are today. Elena, welcome to the podcast, and great that you were willing to share some of your experiences with us. Hello, Dries. Thank you for having me. Great. Um, as I briefly mentioned in the introduction, you have moved from Belarus to Germany like seven years ago. Would you be willing to share a bit about why you decided to make that move together with your family? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, that was a big decision kind of us. I can imagine. Yeah, because we are a family of four. Uh, that's my husband, myself, and three kids. At that moment, the older one was 13. The, the younger one was less than six. So that was not really comfortable. Let me put it like that. Yeah. Um, just, I was born and raised in Belarus and lived there for almost 40 years. And then we moved to Germany in 2015, like absolutely correctly you mentioned, together with the whole family. And that was exactly seven years ago. Um, there were several reasons for that. But generally, we were not really planning for that. I just got an offer from my former employer with whom I got relocated. That was an IT consultancy. And this is very normal for IT consultancies all over the world to relocate their employees and, mm. uh, and things like that. That's how we moved to Germany. Okay, and, and can you tell me to which city did you move in Germany? Was it a big city or a more a small rural city? That was a challenge. I I moved my first client here in Germany was Adidas. Okay. For, for this client, I was doing the direct to consumer projects in e-commerce area for more than four years. 
And thus, I meant, moved to the city called Herzegenaurek. That's a very small city. And I even got myself a place to live, live not, in the, not really in the city, but in the countryside, oh. which was even a bigger challenge for myself because the whole of my life, I was living in, in huge cities. Minsk is more than 2 million people. And now I, I found out myself somewhere in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> uh, in a very, very small countryside, in a small neighborhood, but I absolutely fall in love with that. Okay, nice. So it, it was a bit of a culture shock, but in the end, you also appreciated the, the good things about that. Yes, cultural relocation, so living conditions, everything. Great. And, and, and talking about culture shock, how was it to start working uh, in, in the German corporate scenery uh, was it a big adjustment for you uh, to make that transition or, or was it quite similar to working in Belarus? Was it a big difference? Um, I had spent most of my career working for big corporations. Um, and, but the working, working here in Germany for a corporate client being on site all the time, that's something absolutely different than I had in my home country. Of course, there I also communicated, worked a lot with the big corporations. My, my company I was working for, it was a big corporation as such. But then when it's, it's absolutely different. There in Belarus, the company I was employed by, it was a big company. Here, when I moved um, to Germany, there was a small team from this company and a huge corporation, which was Adidas. And I, I got kind of lost. And <laughs> I, I had always to push myself. That was not easy at all. Yeah. So, but in the end, you, you made it happen, not because you have worked quite a long time uh, in Germany in, uh, in the corporate uh, scenery. So. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You either love it or you quit it. Yeah, but uh, actually, then this year you decided to to quit corporate life and to engage in your own startup, which is of course a big decision again. So, can you tell us a bit about why you decided to make that shift? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, as I said, I had spent the most of my career working for big corporations, mm. but being an immigrant, an immigrant, and a female after the relocation, I almost lost my career and had to start in Germany almost from scratch. And after seven years, I was essentially in the same position where I started. Uh, I was making more money than I, I was making more money than when I started, but not near what I was worth. Okay. In, 20, in 2020, I applied for Kellogg Wehau Executive MBA program. Yeah. And I got admitted. Yeah. This was a life-changing journey and which is not finished yet. Yeah. Four months ago, I asked my manager for a roadmap. I wanted to know what it, what it takes to get me to the next level, both in title and responsibility, as well as the salary. You know what? I never got a roadmap, but... <laughs> What I did get, that was a harsh lesson. Sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you work and how much you contribute. It may never be worthy of recognition. That's the lesson that I learned. And 
exactly four months ago, I decided I no longer want to invest my time and effort in the companies which are not gain me to, are not going to help me to grow. So I was tired of pushing myself. I was tired of not being valued, of not being appreciated. So I gave my three months notice. That's yeah. how it went. Yeah. So uh, you did not feel appreciated enough by the efforts that you did. And you seem to, to link that a bit to uh, the fact that, that you're non-German and, and female. Yes. Which is, of course, uh, an, uh, not a nice thing to hear, but, but can, can you maybe explain a bit? How do you see that? Why would that be a disadvantage that you're not German, female? Um, I, I, love, I love German culture. I feel here at home. But in sense of the Korea, that's something which, which is not happening to me. Mm. Um, the, I cannot say that I'm not appreciated. I can't. I'm, I'm, I am appreciated, but every time when I'm standing in front of my future employer and myself and a German person, always a German will be admitted. Yeah. Okay. So in the competition, you had the feeling that it really was a disadvantage to be yeah. a foreigner. Okay. Maybe then let's focus on the startup that you're now building. So as I mentioned in the introduction, you're building the startup Listerly, and it aims to uh, facilitate for individuals or people the listing of the products on, on e-commerce channels. Uh, can you tell us a bit about why you exactly wanted to address this topic, the topic of kind of product listings on, on e-commerce channels? Why were you fascinated by that topic? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as I have already mentioned, I spent nine years of my life in e-commerce area. That's almost a decade. I ran my own Shopify store and I was selling fashion clothes. Okay. Almost three years. Mm. Then I was doing direct-to-consumer pro projects for different clients. Almost four years. And then I worked for a company which is a daughter company of a huge e-commerce uh, channel here in Germany. So all in total, that's nine years. And of course, that experience got reflected into my startup. And I uh, literally was started after realizing that the company uh, I had been working at will never give me the um, um, possibility to reach my potential. Mm. And obviously, my e-commerce experience got reflected into my project. Yeah. I knew the main points, main uh, pain points that the merchants who go um, and sell on the internet and on different platforms have. And uh, actually, all the e-commerce, they need automation of mm. literally everything. And there are quite many, many companies who are doing this automation. But I said, I don't want to be another clone of this feed management. No, I'm not doing that. And I don't want to be a traditional or a normal uh, product information management platform. No, I want to do something differently. Mm. This is why I said that 
I want to create the, even not create, generate automatically the product descriptions, product titles, product attributes for the uh, e-commerce products from the only available uh, element of each product listing, which is never changed from the product pictures. Okay. Yeah, so just to, to, to make sure that I understand it. So it's like, I, I'm, I'm selling shoes, <laughs> fancy shoes in one way or another. And of course I want to sell them on Amazon. I might have my own Spotify e-commerce channel. I want maybe to do it, I don't know, uh, Walmart or whatever uh, you want to do it. So then it's like, I send to you guys a picture of my shoes and based on the picture, it will automatically generate all kinds of information that I would need to provide to the channel uh, so that they can show my shoes there. Is it something like that? Exactly, exactly. Okay. With small peculiarities. When you send us, when you send us your pictures, you should tell us which channel you want to to pursue. Like, I want to do Amazon, Shopify, and something else, but I don't want Walmart. That's okay. And then, based on that information, we will create all the attributes exactly in the format like it's required by a channel because different colors can be perceived differently in different channels okay. then the some channels might require feed the others do not i'll give you an example of the differences um if we take amazon it wants a long title with 150 symbols that's okay. a lot they mm -hmm. say i want to have brand then the um, clothes type for example address and then i want to have all the keywords possible this is why we have those weird titles on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Walmart says, no, 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 guys, I'm not playing this game. My rules are different. You give me the brand, then you give me the clothes type, and then just one feature of the product and no keywords. Keywords will go into the description. And okay. then they also want the title, which is 50 symbols, and you see the difference. Meanwhile, yeah. with my Shopify store, I can do whatever I want because I own it. Yeah, and but so in the end, there is a kind of lack of standardization, and and that's the pain point you want to solve, and you do it automatically based on the pictures that the um, the the person that wants to sell the shoes sends to you. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. You can also say that for this product, I want to use these keywords. If you don't give this information to us, then we will automatically pick up the keywords that are most relevant for your product. Okay. And, and so um, to generate all this information, uh, do you rely on AI systems or, or how do you want to do it? We completely rely on the AI system and what we are doing now, we are training our own model okay. uh, to be able to already start onboarding clients as soon as possible. Yeah, okay. So it's, 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 uh, you're feeding a lot of pictures into the AI system to, to make it happen. Okay. And then um, it, because we were using now fashion examples, is, is that the main target market fashion industry or do you see other industries uh, that would be interesting for you? 
at the moment we decided that we focus only on fashion uh to, in particular clothes shoes accessories like bags hats scarves so whatsoever and a little bit of beauty we can do as well uh the reason for that uh they have uh collections that arrive at least every half a year and they need those product descriptions to be created very fast and they should be created in a qualitative manner okay. otherwise they they're hiring freelancers they're hiring the agencies which is extremely manual not scalable and yeah. very expensive but because do you know how much time on average and, and uh, a small company spends on creating these kind of descriptions but what, what kind of number do i have to have in my mind um if i need to create a product page a yeah. product description page from scratch and i have all the information at hand like pictures variations prices then the keywords and the stuff only creation one page for one channel which will take me at least 30 minutes okay or even more and if i go to a freelancer the guy will charge me 14 euros per page the amazon agency they are very expensive <laughs> yeah yeah and of course if, if i have quite a broad variety of shoes or whatever i want to sell that quickly starts uh, adding up not in terms of time and cost so that's that's where yes. you have to make a change okay absolutely makes sense um so in the end what are your ambitions with the startup where do you want to end up what's your vision can you tell us something about that um actually in this sense i'm very creative honestly speaking <laughs> we we said that we start small but we dream extremely big extremely okay. big we want to add more and more channels we want to help our clients with marketing, really marketing their products on different channels. We offer them also checking their multi-channel health in the channels. Okay. Then we, we want to offer full-blown digital asset management because that's extremely important for them and so on and so forth. I can continue, continue and continue. Yeah. Okay, so it's really step-by-step -step expansion that you're planning to do to make it happen. True. Great. Uh, maybe uh, a, a bit of a broader question, because um, if, if the people uh, watch the YouTube uh, video, they will see that you're not the 20-year-old something, <laughs> that you're a bit older, uh, um, which is perfectly okay. But, but I think there is, there is often a, a significant debate about uh, what is the role of age in, in doing uh, entrepreneurship. Now, now, I just want to, given that you decided to become an entrepreneur at an, at an older age, and old is, of course, always a relative word, but um, so if you look back, do, do you actually regret that you did not do it earlier, or do you actually think that this is the perfect timing to become an entrepreneur? What, what do you think? Um, actually, first of all, I will take this aging thingy as a compliment. Thank you very much for that. But to answer your questions, in general, I feel myself very fortunate to be in my late 40s and remain so passionate about what I'm doing. Yeah. 
Starting up later in life particularly suited me because my kids are grown and I finally have time for another baby. My yeah. brain has become smarter, faster, and it retains away more information than ever. The biggest gift of this age is a sense of confidence and real satisfaction. I am faster, I'm braver, I'm more effective than my younger self. Why? Because decisive and inspirational uh, are critical founder skills. And these abilities you gain only with the experience. Yeah. Um, and one more thing to add to that, uh, being a late blooming startup founder, I have a luxury of having a very supportive family that provides a lot of emotional balance that I would never ever had at the age of 20 or even before. Yeah, no, clear. Yeah, maybe before the family would have been a bit of a burden to do an entrepreneurial endeavor and today actually they can can root for you and support you in all possible ways. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and maybe because you, you said it before, you're actually uh, in an executive MBA program at WAU, the famous WAU Kellogg MBA program. And, and you're not the only one that has done that program and then engaged in entrepreneurial endeavors. We actually quite recently interviewed quite some of these successful entrepreneurs that also did the EMBA. Can you maybe share with us a bit about how you benefited from that EMBA in terms of your current entrepreneurial activities? Well, what's, how does it help you or support you in one way or another? Yeah. Uh, when people start or even start applying to executive MBA, they never think that, yeah, I will change my career, I will leave corporation and I will go to, and I will pursue the entrepreneurship path. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's not the case. I'm talking to quite some people who are coming to me via LinkedIn saying, hey, Elena, you are in the program. Could you please give references? Um, I, I'm always asking, what, what's your objective? Why? Why do you want to go there? The, the, the most common answer is, um, I want to grow my career. I want to be successful in my corporate world. That was also my reason why I started there. As I said, the whole life in corporations, then at some point of time, completely stuck. And I thought that probably I, I lack experience. Maybe I lack knowledge. This is why I'm going to the uh, to, to Vahau Executive MBA program. But you know what happened? At some point, you realize that your brain just turns the other direction it just opens to the world yeah. and there you, you see a way more opportunities for you, which you realize are a way more interesting, appealing to your personality than doing just boring corporate job and sitting and waiting that somebody someday will uh, somehow say, yeah, you're doing great job. That's why you're getting promoted and you get two or three um, bucks more than you are getting now. Yeah. So in your case, it made you realize that, that there is this other trajectory out there that you now want to explore. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, 
how it happened to me. And I see that quite a lot of my uh, cohort mates and the people who are either done or in, are in the in the executive MBA journey with Kellogg, they're how they're doing the same. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Elena, thanks a lot for sharing these insights, both in bit your, your personal history, but also in your exciting startup that you're initiating at the moment, Listerly. And I hope that the audience also enjoyed it like I did. So thanks a lot. And to the audience, if you like this episode, please do not forget to rate us on your favorite podcast uh, software. And hopefully we hear you again or we or you listen again to our podcast next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.